All right, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse of Sacrosanct Center. <coughs> Excuse me, my name is Dave Everett. This is my wife Sherry joining us, and we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on Effortless Change by Andrew Womack. And we're going to be starting chapter 14 tonight, uh, which I believe is entitled Persecution. And so we'll talk about that in relation to uh, the parable of the sower and uh, the title Effortless Change. Just so you know, all of our teachings are in Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Okay, and so we invite you to follow those us there. And uh, just so you know, you can support our ministry. We thank you for those who have financially through for their tithes and offerings through our website at lighthouseofsacrosship.org. You can mail in your, your, your donations or you can give right there online. We thank you for those who do. And, you know, we have we, these teachings, are, we've got about 1,200 people who watch this uh, in each, every given week. Uh, probably only a small percentage of that actually support our ministry financially. But, uh, and I, I'm not trying to make you on a sad, sad note, even though it is. Uh, I'm more just thank you, saying thank you to those who are because a small percentage who are supporting our ministry is making this possible for everyone else. And so, uh, thank you for doing that. So anyway, without uh, further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump right to the Bible study tonight on Effortless Change by Andrew Womack. And in relation to the book and the, te <coughs> Excuse me, the teaching, we're going to be talking about persecution tonight. Now, keep in mind, when we're talking about Effortless Change, Andrew Womack, the author, is his main context is the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower you can find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's what we call the synoptic gospels. And uh, in that God parable, Jesus said, this is a parable of all parables. If you can't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. That's what Jesus said. And I'm going with Jesus on that. And, uh, and so, but he, uh, the parable of the sower is a seed, God's word, uh, being sown on four different kinds of soil. And uh, one of the soils, or one of the types of soil uh, that Jesus talks about, talks about persecution. So we're, we're, we might not be talking in persecution at length, because that's not the, the theme of this Bible study. But we are going to talk about persecution in light of that parable, and uh, in, 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 the, in the sower of the seed. So anyway, without further ado, I'm going to see if Sherry has anything to share, say. If not, we're just going to jump right into our, our teaching tonight. Just a word of encouragement. I was listening to a pastor this last week, uh, and he was teaching about renewing the mind, and he made the comment, change is easy. And you could hear a complete silence in the room as he made that comment. And you know what? He is right. When we do it ourselves, it is the hardest thing ever. But when we let God, through his word, getting his word in us, let him do the work, change is easy. And God has given us everything in his word, in the knowledge of him, everything for life and godliness. And he wants us to succeed in this. He wants to give us everything uh, to be able to have an abundant life in this and to change for the better and it's all due to Christ in us the hope of glory when you think about it Christ the anointed one with all the anointing lives inside of us we have everything 
But the one thing that we need to be reminded of is, yes, we need to get the word in us. And Andrew's talking about that with that the, the peril of the sower that Dave was talking about. But there's one added ingredient we need to believe. And that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big deal. Uh, we can't just read this and, and, and go move on with our life. We need to take the living word of God and just let it uh, grow in the soil of our heart like Andrew's been teaching about. And, um, you know, I know this will be a, 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 maybe a hard topic for people about persecution. But just for, you know, one of the things that Dave quotes is, if we weren't, if we weren't, and I'm probably saying it wrong, but in, it's actually encouraging thing when Christians are persecuted because it means they are doing and preaching the gospel. And that's, that's all that matters. It means they are doing the right thing uh, and sharing the gospel and they are believing the truth of God's word, the truth of God's gospel, and they are making a difference. We are making a difference, we as the entire body of Christ, when we believe and trust and share the gospel. I want to say one thing before we get started. Uh, I was going to start uh, reading, but uh, uh, one thing about persecution, uh, Paul does say, and I forget whether it's First Timothy or Second Timothy, but he says to Timothy, all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. And so, in one sense of the word, we if you're a Christian and you desire to live godly, you are promised persecution. persecution. Okay? In other words, another way of uh, understanding that verse is if you're not suffering persecution, then maybe you're not desiring to live godly. <laughs> because Jesus, God says that in his word that all, and all means all, all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Now, I believe there's different kinds of persecution. Excuse me. So far here in the West, I believe our persecution is very mild compared to many parts of the world. That's increasing and that's changing worldwide right now. But persecution can also come from a family level. Family members can persecute us because we desire to live godly. Friends and, and different things. And, uh, I mean, there's different levels of it. You know, it may not be full on. I think the, the supreme form of persecution is martyrdom. And I believe that's going to increase in the world today uh, until Jesus comes. Again, this, the title of the, this message is not about persecution. That's not, the, that's not the title of the book. The title of this chapter is talking about persecution and how it relates to uh, the sower of the seed. And so how it re relates to uh, effortless change. And so, so even though I say that, uh, but... You know, we are not necessarily promised to that we won't have persecution. And I know some people want to play it safe, and, and, and I'm not saying we're necessarily welcoming it with open arms. But we are not promised that we, we have not been, let me say it this way, we've been, we have not been redeemed from persecution. We've been redeemed from uh, sin. We've been re redeemed from a life of sin. We've been redeemed from sickness. We've been redeemed from a lot of things, but we have not been redeemed from persecution. Jesus even said, in this life you will have tribulation. We haven't been redeemed from tribulation. Okay, In this life you will have 
persecution, uh, tribulation, he said. And those are actually two different topics, but you know, at the same point in time, I just want to throw that out there. Again, this is not a message about persecution entirely. We could talk about that very, very easily, as I'm already trying to, I'm already kind of doing. But uh, I want to just put that in light into what we're going to be talking about. And so uh, I like to give the teaching, but if you got anything else, don't mm-hmm. And if I put my two cents in, we're not to glory in tribulation or persecution. We're to glory in the cross. You know, Paul is very clear in his letters that we're to focus on Jesus. We are to run the race, and we're to run it not only with endurance, but we are to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, who is the prize. And everything else, we're just supposed to... uh, let it be behind us and not focus on it. We're to just single-minded, single-hearted, single-focused, however you want to say it, uh, keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and uh, to Him be all the glory and honor. Okay, well, let's jump into it. Uh, persecution. The parable Jesus gave in Mark 4 about the sower sowing the seed is one of the most foundational teachings of the Bible. In Mark 4.13, the Lord said that if you don't understand this parable, you cannot understand any of the others. This passage is the key that unlocks the revelation of important foundational truths that you'll use every day for the rest of your Christian life. It's truly that important. Jesus was using the illustration of a man sowing seed which fell on four different types of ground. The kingdom of God is likewise. God's word is the seed that must be planted in our life to bear good fruit. The word of God is what brings change. God's word is never the variable. It has the same potential in every single person's life. What makes the word produced differently isn't the seed itself, but rather the type of soil on which it finds itself. This parable illustrates four different types of hearts. The Word of God has the same potential to produce in every person's life, but the difference in fruitfulness is related to how we respond to the Word. This parable reveals that there's really only one type of response that will allow the seed of God's Word to fully produce its fruit. Okay. So, I don't have a lot to say here at the beginning. Uh, it just kind of uh, relates to what I in some ways we've been talking about already, but that this, this teaching, this parable, is a very foundational teaching. Uh, it's, it's, it's just foundational to our lives. Um, that's one of the things I just want to comment on. Um, and, 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 and then the last part that he talks about, the Word of God is not the variable whether that seed produces fruit. The Word of God will work in anybody's life when it's a good soil, when it's a good ground. But our hearts, we have a part to play. Okay? And we have a part to play whether we're going to... I think there's four kinds of soil. Just like the parable of the sower, there's four types of hearts. And which heart are we? You know? If we're not producing 30, 60... If we're not allowing the Word of God to produce 30, 60, 100 fold in our lives, then we are one of the other types of soil. And... Even with a good soil, there's, there's even different levels, 30, 60, and 100 fold. But I'm, I'll take 30 fold over any of the other types of soil any day. And, uh, and so if you're not seeing the Word of God produce life and fruitfulness in your life, then you uh, then there's only three other options. You're either the one of the other three types of soil. 
And, uh, you know, and so uh, God's word is not the variable. It, you know, and uh, you should, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But you got to know the truth. You got to, and you got to understand the truth as we've talked about many weeks before. Because all four kinds of soil heard the word of God, but only the good soil understood the word of God. Uh, the, but at the same point in time, the word of God has the same potential to produce in every personal person's life. But the difference in fruitfulness is related to how we respond to the Word of God. Okay? Um, and so, how you respond and how you allow the Word of God to take root in your life will depend on whether it, it will work. And so, you know, you, you have a response. You have a, a part to play to, <coughs> excuse me, to garden the, the, the soil of your heart. And God can't do that for you, and He won't do that for you. He's given you, a, He's given you a free will, but the Word of God has the potential to produce in your heart a hundredfold. It has the potential to produce thirty, sixty, a hundredfold. The same, the seed will work for everybody, everywhere, every time. But the soil of your heart needs to be plowed in the sense that it needs to be purified from all other uh, distractions, including. Like I said, we're not promised to be a, to escape persecution, but in spite of persecution, our heart can still produce 30, 60, 100 fold if we allow the Word of God to do that. Persecution, we're going to get into it, is not the, is, uh, you, the, the Word of God is, is not uh, restricted from producing your life because of persecution. No, your heart can produce 30, the seed of God in your heart, in your life, can still produce 30, 30 60, 100 fold despite persecution if your heart is prepared to do so. And we were walking the other night, and there is a house in our neighborhood who has these amazing planter boxes. They transform their front yard to still have grass, but they created, they built these planters so that they can have a garden in the front yard raised up from ground level and we were talking with the lady who, who gardens who's that's that's her, her house her and her husband but she was explaining the process of what they went through and just her gardening history almost where she would have plants in the backyard she'd have plants in pots and different things but when they bought that house they made the decision to take the time and effort and money and create these planter boxes that will uh, be just wonderful for growing in they put irrigation in they put in new soil instead of the, the I guess the area of our neighborhood has not really good soil it's it's full of clay and she said our gardening efforts uh, just they didn't really amount to too much until they took the time to put in wonderful soil uh, created all the elements you know this is a sunny location and she named all of the, the vegetables in her garden and she had a list and uh, there was all kinds of vegetables and she even had some marigolds which are a flower and for those who don't know too much about gardening 
this is a flower that helps keep bugs away. And uh, that, you know, this whole preparing our hearts, preparing the soil of our hearts that we're talking about, you know, Andrew's uh, teaching us about the parable of the sower and, you know, you're hearing Dave and you're like, well, how do I change the soil of my heart? How do I change this so that I, I can receive? How do I change my thorny, rocky soil to one that is uh, uh, just uh, great soil to, to garden in for God's word to, to be planted in and to bear much fruit? And, you know, as... Dave was speaking. I'm like, well, what is what's the uh, what's the easiest answer I can give you uh, to help? And I, I could probably make a list of everything that we would need to do uh, to change the soil of our heart. You know, farmers. You know, Dave was talking about plowing. There's farmers that go through their fields and they take out all the rocks and the roots and they they till and plow the ground until it's uh, presentable they they put manure down to help strengthen the soil and, and enrich it and you know there is a, a process and instead of us getting frustrated like oh my gosh you know how, how do I do this to my own heart have that relationship with Jesus Christ he's not going to just abandon you by the wayside and say you figure it out he's saying you just receive me and my Holy Spirit will dwell in you and we will walk you through this process. You stay in my word, and I guarantee you that your soil of your heart will become the best soil ever. And, you know, one of our uh, instructors at Karis Bible College, Daniel Amstess, uh, he and uh, uh, Carly Teradez created what is called Healing School. Well, every Thursday they teach and they have guest speakers teach on healing. Healing is here. Jesus provided healing. It, it I mean, this, it's awesome he, teaching all about healing and what Jesus accomplished through the cross in that area. And he said, I dare you. I dare you to come to healing school for a month and see if you stay sick. And he was daring people to hear the word of God and just remain teachable and just believe God's word. And there's testimonies. I mean, people are staying at home watching online the, the, the healing test, testimonies and the, and the teaching. And they're receiving and they're taking a stand that God's word is true. And it's just like, you know, and Andrew talking about the parable of the sower and you know, renewing our mind in God's word, our hearts, our soil will change and bear much fruit if we let the Holy One, Jesus, the anointed one, his Holy Spirit in us and for us to just receive and believe God's word. Amen. Let's keep reading. The next section is no small stir. Let's continue looking at the second type of person who heard the word. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, 
Immediately they are offended. Mark 4, 16 and 17. When the Lord showed me this passage of scripture and it really started having a major impact in my life, I was still in a denominational church that was against everything I was believing for. They acknowledged that there was such a thing as the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, but argued that it's the least of all the gifts and not really valid for us today. They didn't emphasize these truths and they certainly didn't emphasize righteousness and grace. I was in a situation where the word of God I was hearing was constantly being persecuted. My good friend Joe, who had a huge impact on my life, served at one time as an associate minister of Kenneth Copeland. He even traveled with him for a while. I used to attend Kenneth's meetings in Fort Worth, Texas, where he would rent the Will Rogers Auditorium. That place could seat up to 3,500 people. I remember Kenneth confessing and thanking God for that place to be full when he only had 200 of us sitting down in front. I was so greedy in my faith and lacking understanding from the word that I didn't realize that he was speaking forth his faith. I just figured that he knew something I didn't know and that maybe there were some buses on the way or something. I didn't know much then, but I'd go over there and hear Kenneth Copeland speak the word of God concerning righteousness. It would get me so fired up that I'd go back to this little denominational church and preach the very same thing I heard. This was causing no small stir. People were getting healed, delivered, and set free. Good things were happening, but the leadership of the church was against what I was doing. They thought it was inaccurate compared to their interpretation of scripture. So because of this, they criticized me. So what Andrew's kind of describing here in one sense, I mean, there's a lot, we can go on a lot of rabbit trails with this, but again, the title of the section is talk, talk about persecution. Now, this is not full-blown persecution with people being martyred or whatnot, but there's a sense where in the church, in what I call the religious church, and which a lot of us have, have been or still, some of us are still part of in some way, shape, and form, when Andrew began to get the revelation from Kenneth Copeland's ministry around grace and righteousness and, and faith and whatnot, you know, he began to share it with his little denominational church, and it was no small stir. Now, that's not my testimony so much, but uh, and I, both of us grew up, grew up in great homes and, and had a good, uh, a good pastors uh, for the most part, and uh, at least growing up, and, but some of the churches we've been to since then, you know, uh, not, some, some were good, some not so much, uh, but uh, we're not here criticizing any particular church, but at the same point in time, when I began to get the revelation of some people call it grace, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. And I do too, to a certain degree. But I, the revelation I got, what I'm trying to say is, I got the revelation of righteousness, and that's that was something that just really just revolutionized my life. And so it was so much that I had been in ministry for 27 years, and I finally took all my teachings when I got this revelation of righteousness, and I threw all my former teachings away, all my notes, all my teachings, anything I've written uh, or spoken. And in other words, I was trying to take those things back. And I remember at the time I wasn't in ministry, and I said, Lord, if you help me get back into ministry, that's what I'll teach on. And when we started this church seven years ago, seven years ago in July, we, uh, I taught on righteousness for a year. Well, I'm going to be teaching on righteousness again, not for a whole year, but I'm going to be teaching righteousness again uh, coming this October. 
and I don't have a date that when that will start, but after after I'm done with my current ma the teaching series on Sunday mornings, I'll be teaching righteousness again. And that's my core teaching. But I remember how, you know, when I started getting the, the revelation on righteousness and the grace of God, what I consider all to be the gospel, because Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17 that the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. And I just thought, I thought when people, when I got excited about grace and righteousness and healing and, and different things of that nature, I thought a lot of people, friends and family and whatnot would get excited. And I didn't necessarily have any persecution or a lot of criticism I got that, but I didn't I didn't get the I didn't get the uh, I guess encouragement way to go day type of thing, you know? Uh, that was far from it. There have been some people through the years uh, who have criticized us to a certain level. Um, but you know, I didn't get that. And uh, and uh, and we've had people even in our church, especially when it comes to finances, and we talk about finances, we uh, people have uh, criticized that because it, it, it hits a core, and I, and there's a lot of reasons for that. There's been pastors through the years who have misused and abused the people regarding finances and tithing, and there's been also some missed teachings on that and whatnot. And so, anytime we taught on it, uh, you know, people uh, have left, and so. But, so what, what do I do? Not teach on it? And I don't think that's the answer either. Uh, actually, if you study the scriptures, you'll find that Jesus talked about finances more than any other topic. Uh, he talked about finances more than he talked about faith. He talked about a lot of things. But he talked a lot about finances as well. And maybe he doesn't teach it exactly the same way we teach it. And maybe we should teach it the way he taught it. <coughs> Excuse me. But he did teach on it. And he taught on it quite a bit. And finances scare people because it gets a little home, it gets a little personal and whatnot. And, uh, you know, when we teach about finances, and Andrew even has a book about financial stewardship. When we read the book, it, it really has little to do with finances. It has to do with trusting God. And really, I think you could change the title on it and you could apply it to any area of your life, not just finances. And it's all about trusting God. And so... Anyway, I, I'm not here about, about finances. My point is, I'm trying to piggyback on a little bit what Andrew was saying, how when he began to give some revelations, he tried to go back to his old circle, of, you know, where he grew up and, and, and where he was connected with, and it was no small stir. It might not have been full-blown persecution, but in a sense, it was a persecution at a very small scale. Uh, you know, it, it was criticism. People didn't like it. People... Uh, it wasn't it wasn't constructive criticism necessarily. It was negative criticism, you know. That's a form of persecution, and uh, and it might not be. And the reason I say that because some of you listening, you might not be in a culture or society or group where you're going to get full blown persecution. I we've had persecution to a certain level, but even Sherry and I, we have not had full blown persecution where our life was on the line. We've had had some threat mail. And we've had some uh, different things of that nature because of what we preach. So I guess you could say that. In that nature, we've been persecuted. But no one's carried it up on keep uh, No one's followed through on all of that. Some of that could have just been a bark and not a bite. Uh, but, you know, uh, Andrew has had persecutions and death threats. We've had perse uh, persecution and death threats to a certain level. Um, you know, and uh, even if they did, I'm still not going to stop preaching what we preach. 
I'm not going to stop doing what we do. And we haven't had anything like that in, in recently, but we've had to have, have had it since we started this church. And, uh, and so, um, but I'm trying to paint a picture because some, maybe, maybe some of you listening, you haven't had full-blown persecution, but the revelation you have, you know that you shared it in your family or your community or your church, uh, it's not, it's not going to cause any small stir. That is a form of persecution. Uh, uh, it might not be what we consider your life as being on the line, that your, your life is going to be burned at the stake or whatnot, but it is a form of persecution. Okay? And so, uh, and what we're trying to get, again, I'm trying to bring this connection with the title, Effortless Change, talking more specifically about the parable of the seller. When you are persecuted on any level, and sometimes when it's among family and friends or your local church, and you feel like you can't share the truth that you're so excited about, something that you are just, you want the world to know, you want your loved ones to know, but you don't feel like you can share it with them because it's not going to cause any small stir, that persecution, in a sense, can cause that seed, God's word, to diminish in your heart and life where it's not producing the results because you back down because of persecution. It's the same thing as if your life was on the line and you back down because of persecution. It has, in one sense, the same result. It just, it just uh, the, the um, variables might be a little different. Your life might not be on the line, but you may be rejected. You could be ostracized or excommunicated or, or maybe a family member or a friend or a loved one doesn't want anything to do with you. Because of what you believe. That is a form of persecution. And you have a choice to either back down, back off, or well, give me more boldness. Now, just because I talk about more boldness, you can, I mean, you know, you can preach the right message in the wrong way. You can get religious. You can get in the flesh. You might have the right message, but you're, you're not preaching in love. You're preaching in arrogance. <laughs> And that's, that's different. That's not persecution. That's stupidity. And that's, that's different. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being moral blunt. Okay? And there's a difference between being mean and unthoughtful and rude and uh, not considerate and just unwise. Uh, where your approach, your message might be right, but, right, but your approach is actually, you know, uh, shutting people off. You know, I... Don't like salespeople too well. Like if I go shopping for a car or, or furniture or anytime someone gets real sales pitchy with me, they, I mean, even if I did want to buy, I don't want to buy now, I'm definitely not going to buy from them. And so, uh, you know, uh, if we get, there was something that just happened the last day or two. We were talking, either talking about whatever, but when some people get into a certain way, you know what, even if I did want to buy, I, he, I, it was a realtor. We just, Sometimes Sherry and I just like going to open houses, not because we're looking to buy, but we just like checking out the layout of the land. We get ideas, and we say, we like this, we don't like that, you know, and we just do a little dreaming, even though it might not be a dream in our house, but we would dream what we would do if we were in our house or not. But we went to an open house recently, and we just thought the, the, the realtors were a little pushy and a little on the rude side, and... I mean, even if I wanted to buy a house, I mean, even if I wanted to buy that house, I wasn't going to buy that house. They just lost me, you know. A lot of times they want you put down your name and your address and phone number, so they, now you're on their email list and you're on their phone call list. 
And we don't want to be on their email and call, email lists. We don't mind putting our name down, but good luck with that. You know, but at the same point in time, I, I know there's probably even ways even with that info. But, you know, it's just like, we're just here to look. <coughs> and so, uh, you know, if you want to try to spin your wheels and try to sell speech up, you're here with you, they're just going to waste their time and their money because uh, I already know if I ever wanted to buy a house, who, what realtor I'm going to use. And uh, so it's not going to be them. But uh, uh, by the fact that they treated me that way, and I know if in some ways they're just doing their job, but their, their, their technique and their approach just turned me off. They're, they're hired to do what they're doing, trying to, if they can't get me to buy that house, they want to get me on the list so I can buy a house and a furniture from them. And in one sense, that's their job. That's their livelihood. That's what they do. And I don't fault them for that to a certain level. I can fault them how they do that, not maybe what they do. I can understand the email list. I can understand the phone list. But how, how they were a little pushy with that, it has a meaning across the line that I don't, I don't appreciate. And I, uh, I, I just walk away with some of that. Sherry will be the polite one and say, no, thank you. I just walk away. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I'll just go look at the rest of the house. That's what I came to do. Are they going to ask me to leave? Well, I'll leave. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave anyway. It just might be five minutes later. Um, anyway, uh, but at the same point in time, uh, I'm not talking about selling houses or salespeople. I'm just talking about when we are trying to preach the gospel and using this as with family and loved ones and friends. But if we get the, you know, standoffish, I'm not saying we can't still be bold, but we need to watch our approach. Because, we, you know, nobody likes a nag. And there's some people in their evangelistic approach, they're nagging. And nobody likes a nag. And, uh, um, and so, I mean, the, the book of Proverbs talks about a nag. It's like a dripping faucet. And, uh, and, and talks about other things, too. Nobody wants a nag. Even if the nag is because they love you, you know, uh, and that might be true. But it, that nagging is irritating. And uh, it's, uh, you know, when something's irritating, it's just irritating. Uh, like a fly, a flea, a gnat. It's just irritating. Now, a fly doesn't love me. They want whatever they, they have out to our devoted spec. Excuse me. Uh, I'm just trying to get, you know, but if, I'm trying to, uh, I'm tr what I'm trying to compare is persecution versus we created our own mess. And there's a difference. There's a difference between people not wanting you to minister to them because they don't want to hear the message and so they're persecuting you and they're mad at the message and the not so, and they're taking it out on the messenger. And there's a difference between they're upset with the messenger because of the message, and they're upset with the messenger because they like the message, they just don't like the messenger. <laughs> and there's a big difference. Sometimes they don't like the message, so they take it out on the messenger, but sometimes they may or may not like the message, but they, don't def they definitely don't like the messenger or their way of approaching that uh, message. And... Uh, there's a difference between us causing strife versus the message itself being uh, contentious with them. So, you know, I, I know we're going off on the on some rabbit trails and, and trying to explain uh, some things regarding persecution, uh, and, and the idea or the the teaching, you know, J Jesus did bring it up. 
um, the, some of the different writers, Paul and different ones, you know, uh, talk about it in, in the Bible. And it's not to scare us. You know, the, the, the 11 disciples, I'm not talking about Judas, but uh, they all, except for John, were martyred for their faith. And before the cross, uh, they messed up. They fell on their faces. They rejected Christ. But after the cross, after Jesus was resurrected, they believed with their whole heart, with their whole being, and nothing was going to persuade them otherwise that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. And they were persecuted and martyred for their faith. In fact, the Christian history after the cross and even before the cross, throughout Jewish and Christian history, they were they went through a lot. They went through a lot of persecution. Uh, they went through, uh, oh my gosh, how many years and decades of being persecuted for their faith and thrown to the lions and different things. And I found out an interesting fact. Um, I don't have the exact date in mind but after the cross when the Christians were persecuted and they got uh, scattered throughout the world uh, because of persecution uh, there was a leader's wife who stopped uh, some of the persecution some of the heavy persecution because she found Christ and she became a believer and she used her influence as a leader's wife to say, hey, this needs to stop. And th I thought that was a pretty neat fact. It reminds me um, of Esther in the Bible where she was at such a time and a place as this that she was placed to save the Jewish nation uh, by becoming the wife of a, a king. I challenge you, if you haven't already, to read that story in the New in the Old Testament but again this is this topic isn't to scare you it's just to say you know this this is part of uh, what we may expect in life and the great thing about it is when we believe in Jesus when we trust in him when we follow him none of that matters even Paul said this is just for my words paraphrasing a brief moment compared to the eternity the joy we have with being for with Christ for for eternity and forever and you know what it it is worth it to follow Christ and if you're still hung up on this effortless change and, and the struggle and like I believe but I just I'm a mess you know one um, uh, actually two there's two things I encourage you to do. Uh, one is to go on Dave's, uh, our website, the church website, lighthousediscipleship.org, uh, and listen to some of, uh, or all of the teaching. I, I agree and believe. But Dave's teaching on righteousness, I think, will help set you free. Um, he will be teaching um, again on it but I encourage you to get that in you um, another resource is Andrew Womack has a teaching on spirit soul and body which 
if you're struggling with this effortless change uh, or with the, the Wednesday night Bible study that we're doing, Believer's Authority, I encourage you to, on our website, um, Dave has put on, Andrew has uh, his spiritual and body teaching in an animated video where, where you can watch it as it's being taught, but it has the animation behind it so it'll help you understand better um, I believe it's also on YouTube I'm sure Andrew has it uh, on his website you can just Google you can just Google uh, uh, spirit soul and body animation uh, maybe put Andrew Womack in there somewhere and it will come up and so but an easy way to find it is to go on our website or you know message us and say yeah, if you want to find it on our website real quick if you go into resources and go into uh, core teachings about uh, halfway or three quarters way down I have all three animated videos embedded on the website so. and, and I believe that, that it is Andrew's teaching spirit soul and body Dave's teaching on righteousness are very beneficial for believers and um, I can't tell you, uh, I don't have the words to say how beneficial it was for me to, to have these men of God share these revelation and, and teach uh, on this. And I believe it will really, really help. All right, well, let's read a little further in the title of the sections of Fendon. Notice that this is exactly what Mark 4.17 is saying. The stony ground has no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. This is describing people who were excited about the word when they heard it, and would act on it to a degree, but didn't have root in themselves. When affliction, persecution, and criticism against the word begin to come, they become, became offended. The word offended here doesn't mean that they quit believing or renounce the word. I didn't renounce the fact that God still heals today, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is valid, and that miracles were of God. I still believe these truths, but I became offended, which means that I lost my enthusiasm and excitement about these truths. The fire I had for these truths cooled off because of the criticism I was receiving. You need to recognize that Satan doesn't have to make you totally disavow the word you're believing for. If he can just get you to where you're cautious and afraid to speak, where you're hurt and offended and now you aren't enthusiastic the way you used to be, then he has succeeded. If the devil can get you into that mode, he can stop the word of God from working in your life. This is exactly where I was when the Lord showed this truth to me. I'd hear Kenneth Copeland speak, get all excited about the word I'd heard, and then go back to preaching truths like righteousness, faith, and grace in that denominational church. For a week or two, it would be really powerful. Then I'd receive so much criticism that I'd become introspective. I still believed the same truths and was trying to say them and teach them in the classes I was leading, but it just wasn't getting any results like it had before. There wasn't any fruit. Coming from the Word. There's a lot here, and, and, and this this section is piggybacking on what Andrew just gave his testimony of how he began to get some revelations from sitting under Kenneth Copeland's ministry. He went back to a small small denominational church, began to share it, and was criticized. And that criticism, 
uh, didn't didn't get uh, didn't cause Andrew to disbelieve the teachings that he was excited about, but it did cool off his excitement. It did cause him to shrink back in the sense that he wasn't as excited about it anymore, and he wasn't as bold and uh, forward about sharing it as he as he was, you know, and so. Because he was offended. And that goes with the, the, the parable of the sower, the second type of soil. Because of a persecution that, uh, let me just read it again. They were rooting themselves and so, and so endured before a time. Afterward, when afflicted, when afflicted. So it might not, it might not just be persecution. It could be also affliction. Uh, arises for, for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. You know, offense, we, can, we are as mankind. We are easily sometimes offended. And offense can cause you to shipwreck your ministry, your life, your, 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 even your marriage, depending on how it affects that. It can affect every area of your life, offense. You have to let some offense go. And uh, if not, I, I probably need to rephrase that. You need to let all offense go. You know? and, uh, and so we, we cannot be shipwrecked. Now, the reason I said almost was because... Uh, Sometimes the offense happened because we did something. But even if we did do something, and I'm not saying if we did something wrong, we should feel okay about that. But I told Sherry times when I've made mistakes that I can't change what I did, but I can change what I'm going to do. And I can get so offended. I can, sometimes we, got, we get offended about ourselves. Sometimes we, we, we have a hard time letting other people off the hook. Sometimes we have a hard, even a harder time letting ourselves off the hook. And some of us need to forgive ourselves. That's a big message right there. Some of us are, are so shipwrecked in our lives and our ministry because we have been so offended how we handled or didn't handle something. And we have just, uh, that affliction or persecution has caused us to be so offended by other people, including and maybe sometimes even more so ourselves, that it just has... Uh, we, we, the, God's word is not produced in 30, 60, 100 fold because we have an offended heart and we, and we have a bruised heart and we have a wounded heart. That might be another way of sharing that. We have a wounded heart and we are playing the victim and not the victor. And, uh, we need to change that. And we, by the Holy Spirit's help, we can change that attitude, that mindset. Okay. You know, I don't want to get off on this and do too detail. I share real br briefly how Sherry and I, through the years, and, and since we started this church, we had some uh, hate mail. We had some uh, death threats by, by mail and whatnot. This was a few years ago, nothing recent. But one, uh, some of these threats went along the lines that if we didn't change our ministry, that they were, you know, they had threatened to, to kill us, type of thing. And uh, we didn't change our teaching. And they said they were going to come after us, and, and they were going to come after us through our friends. And, this was years ago. We got the police involved. We high board. We 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 did some internal investigation on this as best best we could, and it was a whole ordeal at the time because we took it seriously. Uh, we were not so much offended by it, but we were in some ways distracted because we took it seriously. Anyway, uh, whoever this person or these people are, they did uh, have have our friend some of our friends turn against us, and it was very hurtful. And they, they marred our name among some people and whatnot. And I'm not going to a lot of detail with this, but 
because of the nature of some of the things that took place, especially when they came after our friends, and, and they didn't come after our friends to threaten them, they came after our friends to turn them against us. And they, they succeeded in some cases with that. It was so easy for us to be offended by this, call it a persecution, call it affliction, you can call it whatever you want. I call it evil. Uh, and it was just, it was just wrong, evil. It was wrong. Okay, it wasn't good. It wasn't godly. It wasn't the spirit of God. And so, uh, however we want to name it or whatever, it was, it was, of all the things Sherry and I have ever gone through in our whole 22 years being together, it was the worst thing we've ever gone through in our life. It was horrible. But it was easy for us to get offended. It was easy for us to wallow in it. It was easy for us to, I mean, there was temptations of stopping the ministry. There was some temptations of just running away. I don't know where we're going to go, but at the same point in time, but all these different thoughts of, because of fence. And that's what the devil wanted. And at the same point in time, every time I even had a temptation to quitting, quitting the ministry and doing different things, I, and it wasn't because of this lunatic who, who sent these, email, these uh, letters and different things. It was because of the hurt of the friends, that the, the aftermath, the, the, the result of it. That's what hurt. This person didn't hurt us personally by their by their, their their threats. They hurt us by how they attacked us. And but we got so we got so wounded at wounded at times we could have just quit. And but I also knew every time I thought about quitting, I knew that that's not what God God didn't tell us to quit. God didn't do all this stuff. And why am I allowing, allowing someone else or a group of people who are not even acting godly towards me dictate what God has told me and not told me to do? I mean, these same people, you, uh, you know, there was heresy and, and different things going on. None of them were willing to talk. None of them were willing to, to share anything. And yet they were, they seemed like they were telling me what God was saying. And, and like... You know, if you can't even act godly, if you can't even, you know, we even had some uh, people investigate it on our board and uh, uh, investigate some of the stuff going on objectively, and they still wouldn't come forward. They still wouldn't talk. We gave them a green light to to uh, the, to share whatever charges they had against us, and they still would not come forward. They still would not be honest, you know. And we, but even then, we were still hurt by some of this, and we had a choice to be offended or not be offended. And I'm bringing this up not to, to share our sob story. I bring this up because, you know, some forms of persecution or affliction or, you know, there's some, how I many you know people can just be flat out mean in a lot of different ways, and sometimes among family. And sometimes among loved ones and, and family. And sometimes, and especially sometimes in the church. Okay, some people can just be flat out mean and evil and wicked with some of the, the ways they because of offense and hatred and whatnot. And, and James is very forward in James chapter three. My brother, these things ought not to be so. With our list, we bless God, and with the same list, we curse men. And they things should, should not be happening in all places within the church and among families, but they do. And. We can be so offended because of, you can call it persecution, you can call it affliction, you can call it whatever you want. But it, but the, those who have been victimized, and I'm not trying to come across as a victim, I'm just trying to, to share a scenario that was very hurtful to us. 
And we could very easily play the victim mentality, and we had a temptation, and I, I, and I know there was days and sometimes weeks and maybe even months where we did have a victim mentality heart. I can't say we handled everything perfectly, but <coughs> we also had our board investigated, we all, and different things that took place. We had the police involved, we did different things, we did our due diligence, and, uh, and so we weren't hiding. Uh, you know, I, and through some of this stuff, I, I was the one that initiated our board to investigate me. Uh, uh, some of the, the rumors that were, that this person had caused, caused rumors and different things. And, and I'm like, whatever they're doing in darkness, I'm going to bring to the light. I'm just going to let the board investigate me with no holds barred. Uh, and I wasn't even having them investigate them. I was having them investigate me. And yet no one would come forward. And, and it all started, it all started from the, uh, some individual or individual sending us threat now. That if we didn't start, stop our teaching, that they were going to take us out. And, you know, I, I know some of that was just a bark, but they did bite in the sense that they had, had turned people against us with all kinds of rumor and all kinds of evil stuff. I'm not trying to go down the, the evil uh, that path. I'm just trying to bring out, there's a, I don't know your story. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know who maybe has attacked you or ridiculed you or, or done you wrong. But you have a choice to have a victim mentality and be offended. And you're going to be like this, this soil that there's no root system. And you can, we're not going to produce because you were persecution and affliction. In a sense, snuffed you out. You might not, you might not forsake God. You might not turn your back on God. But you're also not going forward either. You're also not being fruitful. Your life is also not going in the direction that God has ordained for you. Because of offense, because of something that's very tragic and something very mean and bullying. Some of the, what these people were doing, they were bullying us. Uh, and, and so, you know, it was just wrong. And I didn't go into a lot of detail because I'm, I'm trying to be very generic here. But at the same point in time, <coughs> I'm also trying to paint a picture. We went through something horrible. And uh, and at the same point in time, you know, it just, and I'm not even, I'm sharing, I'm not even getting to the heart of all of that, the details of things that took place. But it all started because of hate, just pure hate. And, uh, and, and, and evil. And uh, at the same point in time, uh, we could have been so offended that we stopped the ministry. We, and, and these 12,000 people who are watching us, not 1,200 people who are watching us every week, uh, you know, would never have happened. Different things would never have happened if we had just quit. And so we might still be saved. We could have just simply gone to a, a large church or somewhere. Uh, and just fit in the crowd, you know, and, but we would have known, we're just running away. We would have known it was quitting. We would have known we acted out of fear, not faith. We would have known, in one shape of word, it was just cowardice for us to do something like that. And we would have, uh, and, you know, and, and there's something that was very tempting to do that. It's like, uh, why continue? Why do we continue? Because God told us to. And we just have to, in one sense, take the thumb of our, out of our mouth, pick up our big boy and girl pants up, and continue fighting the fight of faith. Our fight was not against people. Our wrestle was not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and whatnot. 
We are not mad at people. We are mad at the devil. And one of the biggest things the devil wanted to do was for us to just, if he couldn't take us out by killing us, if he couldn't take us out by some other, by us doing some big, big sin, he could take us out by us not doing ministry. And, and seeing people come to Christ and, and carrying the gospel. And that's what the devil wanted. And for us to quit, the devil would have won. But he didn't win. And we are preaching the gospel. And we are doing what God's called us to do. Despite how some people have uh, done us wrong. And you know, I know we're almost out of time. We're basically out of time. Uh, and I'm actually kind of glad we went on this rabbit trail of offense. Even though Andrew did uh, bring it out in his study. Offense can... And please hear my heart. And, you know, Dave shared a little bit of our testimony, and we did have a choice. We can become offended and get distracted or stop the purpose that God had in our life. You'd be distracted from God's purpose. You know, Andrew shared that, you know, he was preaching the truth. He was sharing the truth. People were getting transformed. People were getting healed. And yet some people... Uh, did not like and they criticized uh, the truth because it didn't match up with with what they taught so Andrew scaled back on uh, on on sharing and, and preaching the truth and uh, because he, he was bothered by their reaction and so uh, he, he in his, for my words of explaining it he got distracted from his purpose and sharing the truth so it didn't come out the same People didn't get the whole entire truth. And, you know, God's purpose on Andrew's life is to uh, preach the gospel, is to share truth. And any one of us can very easily get offended by another person, by something happening in our life, and stop doing what God's called us to do because we're so distracted that we stop and we go a different direction and you know we could have in our pain said fine I'm I'll, I'll stop is that if that's what you want you're so offended at us that you know I'll get offended back and yeah if we had done that we would have opened a lot of doors that the enemy would have wanted we would have possibly stopped the ministry like Dave said uh, gone a different direction, toned it down, uh, whatever it might be. We could have ourselves gotten so offended and hurt that we could have given up on the gospel. Praise God we didn't because uh, we believed God more than we, we did all this stuff. But if you open the door to offense, uh, it can lead to strife it can lead to sickness in your own body it can lead to destruction and sin and a lot of different things so we as Christians are to guard our hearts and believe us we're speaking this in love because we love you guys very much and we want every believer who uh, hears us to know that we stand with you we have your back if if you're going through something, just know, you know, we pray for you. We don't want you to go through things. We don't want you to get distracted from your God-given purpose. We want you to thrive in life. 
You know, in Psalm 119, I've always, I've loved this verse for, for years. Psalm 119, verse 165. This is King David uh, writing this. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. That's the New King James. The Old King James says uh, basically the same thing. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When we are so in love with God's word and are Christ-focused, no matter what people do to us, we can guard our hearts by being in God's word, by being Christ-focused, that uh, nothing will offend us. You know, the King David is speaking, uh, his words that he, he uses, he talks about loving thy law. He's talking about God's law. In this whole psalm, Psalm 119, King David is praising God for God's word, his law, his precepts, everything that God has set in place, every single verse in that psalm. And King David made a difference in his time, and he loved God almost like no other. Um, and yet, the only word of God that he had was um, what the first five books of the Bible. Is that what Moses wrote? Well, David. David. The word of God that David had in his time, how much did he have? Uh, I don't recall right now. So, uh, so the, my entire Bible has the Old Testament, the New Testament, King David in his day. Uh, that none, not all of this was written. He only had a portion of it. And yet he wrote that psalm. He had a relationship with God, loving God's word, and saying that nothing will offend them if they love his law. You know, there's another verse that, that talks about having God's word in our hearts so that we might not sin against him. And yet we as believers, we have the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, the New Covenant, that Jesus Christ died for, we have that. We have all of God's word. And we, if we have, like Andrew's been teaching on the parable of the sower, if we have a heart that has good soil, where we have God's word in us, where we love God's word above what we're going through, above what other people might do to us, we will guard our hearts and we will not be offended. And... This is this is help to us. Uh, there's another verse about uh, God's word being being health to to our our bones, and I, I know we're we're going over. But I encourage you, choose, choose God's word. Choose to believe. Choose to not be distracted from God's purpose in your life, and choose like Paul that. You know, put those godly blinders on and only focus on Jesus Christ and Him crucified and His Word. And you will not only have long life, but you will be blessed. Um, oh, I, I just want to so much get into preaching, but I know for sake of time we need, we need to uh, wrap up. But I encourage you, uh, you, you do have a choice. You can choose to be offended. Uh, you can choose to have a hard heart and be bitter, or you can choose the Word of God and His truth 
choose to forgive, choose to uh, let mercy reign in your in your house, in your heart, and um, I. Wow, I, I just wanted to share that because we love you guys. We, we want you to have good success. We want you to live out that God-destined purpose and plan for your life. Alrighty, well, we are out of time. We're actually over time, so we'll, but we'll see you. We're going to have uh, Bible study this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time uh, here in California, and then uh, we will have our uh, teaching on Sunday morning at 11, 15 a.m. again, Pacific Standard Time. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon. That's why.